And today I want to talk to you. A couple of weeks ago, I, I, I preached a message called Christ Enemies Defeated in His Victory. And we talked about the Lamb's Book of Life. And we talked about how there was this book that, that all throughout... Uh, uh, that, that started way back when, and that God had two people, and that God was taking a group of those people all the way to the end, and he was saving a group of people whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and those who he began a work in, he would bring to completion to the coming of Jesus Christ. And today, we're going to pick back up in Revelation chapter, where we kind of were in 13 back then, and we just picked that one little nugget of, of Scripture out of there. But we're going to look today at Christ's enemies defeated in his victory, number two. The second part of this. Next week, we're going to look at the Lord willing. We're going to look at the wrath of God. We're going to see the final wrath that is poured out on on humankind next week, and it's very, very interesting. In these bowls, we've looked at trumpets, we've looked at uh, seals, and now we're going to see the final, the grand finale in these bowls. But today, we want to talk about something very interesting uh, in this passage of scripture. And if you remember, we're looking at Revelation. We're looking at kind of the big picture. We're looking at uh, the box top, if you would, of the puzzle so that we can put together uh, the, 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 the big picture of really seeing the victory of Christ in everything uh, that we're looking at. And so uh, the goal is by the time that you end the book of Revelation and by the time that we go through it is that you, the reader is blessed. Because that's what it promises. It promises blessed are the people who read this book and read the prophecy of this book. And so by the time you get to the end of it, you see redemption. You see victory. You see Christ all the way through it. Christ victorious over everything, just like we just sung about, and that he's coming again. And so hopefully you'll see that every through, through all the pages. And by the end that we get to it, even today's passage, which it's going to be harder to find that joy in today's passage because there's a lot here. But, but even in today's, there's the promise at the end that, that, uh, and the reminder that we're going to end because what God wants you to end with every week is that authentic joy for the believer, that there is joy. There is joy. Even though today we're going to get introduced to a woman, we're going to get introduced to a beast, we're going to get introduced to uh, a dragon, we're going to get introduced to offspring of both of these people, and we're going to see a Christ child and all those things. But in the end, as bad as the, the things seem, we we learned a few weeks ago that Christ supersedes everything, and this is his plan, and he's only got the enemy on a short leash and allowing him to do what he's allowed to do. But, but hey, it's in the book. we got to read the book. we got to take the book how it comes, and if this is the way God says things are going to be in the end, then we've got we've to know this is the way things are going to be, so we don't want to hide from it or duck our head or try to change the Scriptures. Uh, in fact, there's a warning in this book. Anybody that adds to the prophecy of this book, I'll add to them. Anybody who takes away, so we're going to just teach it as it is, and we're going to look at the big picture. And today, you're going to kind of have to remember that because there's a lot of opinions on these chapters. And when you get down to, uh, you know, for years, we've had all kinds of things. And so, so remember that as I teach this, I'm not teaching all those down to the intricacies. We may do that later, but we're getting the big picture here today. And so I want to show you some things of, yes, this is future, but I want to show you some things of how this applies even now to us. And so that you see the big picture here and know that it affects uh, not only future generations, but it affects us as well. And so, uh, again, the goal is authentic joy and uh, because King Jesus is victorious, and uh, he's victorious. Why? We just sang about it. His death, burial, and resurrection has brought us not only, not only brought them victory, who we see around the throne, where we're headed, but it, it also brings us victory now. And the reason that it brings us victory now is because of Corinthians. Look, at, look not only did his death, burial, and resurrection promise he's coming again, uh, Again. But Raymond, it also tells me that even now, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's not waiting until then to do something in us. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus has started something now. Anyone that's in Christ is a new creation. The oldest pass away, and behold, everything has become new. He's changing me now. He's not waiting just to change me one day at the throne. He is changing me now. Look at what 1 John 4 tells us. It, our 5 tells us, verse 4, it says, For everyone who has been born of God 
overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith has helped us overcome the world. So he's changing us now. And John is going to tell us something about God. And he's going to tell us that the expectation is that we will become different people as God intended. And one of the ways that God is making us different people is something we're going to learn about today. And that's a battle that has been going on for a long period of time and a battle that's going to go on until we see the finale of it very soon in the book of Revelation. And so today we're going to focus on a battle. And, and I want you to know that God is, is, is making us new creations, Raymond, even in this battle. Even in this battle of the ages, there's a purpose in this battle. There is a purpose in these players and what's going on. And it's working out something in us that one of the ways he's going to do these things in and through us is this battle that is going on and taking place. Right now, we're not just seeing a battle today that we're going to see a battle that's coming like the battle of Armageddon. How many know today, right now, we're in a battle? The reason I know that is because look at Ephesians. Look at what it says. For you do not wrestle against flesh and blood or just people like you think we're all fighting on the internet with. You're not fighting against people when you're showing our ignorance when we're out there blasting people on social media. You're not, you're not fighting against flesh and blood and people, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces, evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. There is a battle that we are involved in, and that battle started well even before, but for us human beings, it started way back in Genesis. We see the beginning of this back prophesied in Genesis 3.15. Look at what it says. Uh, the first pro-evangelion, the first coming of the gospel preached, and here's where it is. I will put enmity or war between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. We have war. There's war going on between Christ's offspring and there's war going on between the devil and his offspring. We got a battle going on, a real battle here. And this is what we need to understand of we're not wrestling flesh and blood. We're in the greatest cosmic battle of all time. You're not fighting Democrats and Republicans. You're not fighting your mama and daddy. You're not fighting the church people. You are fighting cosmic powers that have been around for eons of ages that was prophesied and promised way back then. Get ahead on in the game and start to understand what battle we're in. Amen? And he says the Spirit, if you do, will empower us as God's people to stand firm. We need to learn to stand firm. As we approach the evil day. Come on. And that's what the book of Revelation is teaching us. It's teaching us to stand firm and be solid till the end. Because we got a victorious lamb. Amen. we got a victorious Christ. And he is, and so he is telling us, and, and he's saying in this passage that he's foretelling about a day that Jesus is going to come, and he is going to die. He's going to be buried and raised from the dead. He's going to crush the serpent in, in this battle. And when we get to the book of Revelation, we see that this snake or this dragon has, has, has many offspring that he's gathering together to bring the whole world against Christ and his anointed. Against Christ and his, and his offspring, so to say. So this epic battle comes to a, a climax, even though, but don't just skip ahead all there and say, well, it's just the battle of Armageddon. There's a battle of Armageddon that's right real going on every day right here. Do you hear me? Every day right here is a battle going on in the soul of mankind. You don't, don't just focus on the Armageddon to come. We're in an Armageddon warfare every single day where we're being battled against. And where, where yes, there's future battles coming. And yes, that. But there's a spiritual battle where, where he is after the offspring of Jesus Christ. And, and he's moving. And God is moving this plan and this battle to a desired end where he comes out the victor and champion of the world. 
world. So that offspring we see very quickly after Genesis 3, we see about in Genesis 11 where we began to see the offspring, because we said there's two offsprings, Daniel. Well, the offspring of Satan, they want to make a name for themselves in the earth, so they build a tower. They said, come together, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to reach into the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the whole earth, they say. So we see this. We see these two groups of people that Satan now has this offspring that is taking place in the earth and they are wanting to grow in power to build a name for themselves. Look at what John tells us about these people. You are of your father, the devil. Come on. What if I got up here like Jesus did and said, you're all of your father, the devil. Quite offensive, isn't it? But true, you to them that he was speaking to, those religious leaders of the day, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. I mean, that's, that's most of your friends, young people. That's most of the world right there. Their desire is not God. Their desire is not to follow anything in this book. They want to change and alter the book. They want to cast off all restraint. And guess, guess who their father is according to Scripture? Oh, you're so mean, Brother Brad. It's the devil. And you do your father's desires. That's why we see all the changing of laws. That's why we see the hatred of Christianity. That's why we see all the things that we see. Because there's a lot of offspring out there of Satan right now moving. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are of your father the devil. I didn't say it. He said it. I was of my father the devil before Christ caused me to be born again, right? He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Of which one you, uh, of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the word of God. Not just the parts they love. I'm the head and not the tail. Right? Not just the prosperity stuff, but the woes and the judgments and the things that I love to do that he says, you can't do that anymore. That if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And the old Brad passes away. And and so whoever is of God hears the words of God and I'd say and does them. And does them. The reason why you do not hear them is you are not of God. That's straightforward good preaching right there. Go ahead. Little children, let no one deceive you. Now he's going to show you another group of people. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. This is the offspring of God. We've got an offspring of Satan, and we've got an offspring of God. We heard that the woman, that is the one woman's going to be fighting against the other's offspring. That's what we see. And whoever practices righteousness is righteous, and as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, I didn't think it mattered. I didn't think about today's gospel preaching, it really mattered. It just, just, just say a prayer. God understands your weaknesses, right? Yeah, He understands your weaknesses. And He's given you, He's he's wiped your sins out and given you power to overcome and to change you from the inside out. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, notice I said a practice. I didn't say you're never not going to sin again because you're going to see something in a minute in the next verse that there's provision for that. But anyone who continuously makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil, I wrote that twice. Maybe we needed to see twice go ahead to the next passage my little children I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin but but as I said there there are times that we're going to blow it and we have blown it we'll blow it again but we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but for also the sins of the whole world by this we may know that we are in him whoever says he abides in him Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he 
walked. That's the evidence. God changes me. There's two groups. There's one group that is obedient and follows God. And there is another group that is disobedient and they follow Satan. Right? And, and that's, just, that's just how it is. So now we come to the book of Revelation today and we see that we have this woman, we have a serpent, we have an offspring, we have Jesus and we have Satan and we have these different things that are going on with all of these people in chapter uh, 12 and I want to walk you through this great battle that is going on in these chapters of scripture. Look at, look at verse 1, and a great sign, in other words something that represents a reality. Something that represents a reality. A great, great sign appears here in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head a crown of 12 stars. Now if you remember back in Genesis 37, this looks an awful lot like a vision that Joseph had in a dream with his brothers. So, so, so there's other things, there's all kinds of opinions. You can go from everywhere to this to that, but, but, but uh, of who this is and possibly is, but, but, but we're going to say that this woman today represents Israel, that she represents Israel in this passage, and I think there's a lot of places and a lot of things where we can, we can, we can bring that out to justify that. But look at verse 2. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. Giving birth to who? A Messiah. Giving birth to a Messiah. Giving birth to a Christ child. Israel went through much travail to bring forth the Messiah out of her. Now look at chapter 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold a great dragon. Verse 9 tells us this, this is Satan with seven heads and ten horns. Power beyond anything we can imagine. And his, and his heads seven diadems. And his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven. Demons that come uh, with him. And cast them into the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child he might devour it. Now remember, there's a symbol or a sign that is real. It's an evil one that's, that's been at work trying to stop the plan of God. God has a plan. Satan is trying to stop this plan any way he possibly can. He's here. He knows Israel's going to bring forth this Messiah. He is waiting on this Messiah to come and he's got Herod ready and he's got others ready that when this guy gets here, I want every two-year-old baby, I want him taken and I want him destroyed. I mean, he's waiting and waiting and waiting because he knows when it gives birth, I'm going to kill this Messiah that's coming. Amen? Amen? And the Bible says he can't stop the plan of God. And what happens? The woman gives birth. Look at what it says in verse 5. She gave birth to a male child. This is why we know that it's the Messiah, who, the one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. We know that he died. We know that he lived. He died. He was buried. He rose from the grave. And we know he ascended up to heaven. We know he ascended to the Father, far out of reach. We know theoretically he was far out of reach from the devil while he was here. But we know because God, just like like we know if we're in Christ that we're far out of reach in, in reality. That God is protecting us. That God is with us. That God is in us. And He only allows Satan to do what He allows Satan to do or anybody on this earth. Because we know that He really has the, the power to stop it or the power to allow it to happen. Just like when Job, He came to Job. Let me strike him. Let me do this. Let me do that. We know that He was limited in that. And we know He's limited now by God. And so we know that while Christ Christ was on this earth that even though Satan thought he was getting him and it was fair game, every time he did something, it just further put the plan of God into action and he was duped. He was checkmated every single time. But we know that the child was called up and we know that he obeyed the Father perfectly. He was taken up to heaven and we know that he is protected. Two things that are key that we've read so far. One, on one end, God is protecting the Messiah. God is protecting him perfectly and he he did protect him perfectly and he fulfilled the plan of God and then he brought him up to heaven. The second thing we see here is he not only preserves the son, but he preserves his people Israel. And we see that quite clear here, that God is not done with Israel yet. Amen? And we see him preserving them. So we see that's happening right here in these chapters. Look at verse 7. Going back now to explain some, some, some stuff that is happening. You got the players? Well, now he's going to go back and explain some things that are going on. Look at 
at what he says. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fought fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and the angels fought back. While Christ Jesus was going through everything that he accomplished on this earth. Dying, buried, raised from the dead in the angelic realm. He takes us there to this grand battle that is going on. And this grand battle is happening. Now I know I've read every commentary. I know them. I know them. I know the one. I know this, that this is a battle. And I get it. That Petra. And I know all that. But go with me and understand the big picture of what here. There's been a battle that has been going on since the face of the earth. And I can tell you there was cosmic activity going on when Jesus Christ was on this earth. I got news for you. When that woman gave birth to that Messiah, there was a cosmic battle and a spiritual battle. Angelic forces like never before fighting in the heavenlies. Michael and the archangel and all sorts of battles taking place. Accusing, he was the accuser of the brethren. Back in those days, the Bible said, Satan had this place that he had. Listen to what it says. But in verse 8, he was defeated and there was no longer a place for him in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, was thrown down to the earth and his angels uh, were thrown down with him. Now look at what it says in verse 10. And I heard with a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ or his Messiah have come that the male child was born. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, the one who accuses them day and night before God. Now the moment that Jesus Christ ascends to the throne, John tells us that he becomes the propitiation for our sins. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins all away. Rising, he justified. Freed me forever. The accuser who had a place before the throne of God to say, that guy, that scoundrel Daniel that preached last week, don't you remember him, God? Don't you know him? See, before Calvary, before the death, burial, and resurrection, he had a place. He had a place to go before the throne and accuse all of us and to say, you know what? Have you, look at that. Look at, look at Russell. Man, Russell, Russell, really, Brad? The guy that grew up in Louisiana, you talking about him? Brad, Hueytown? You know, the guy, Brad? Uh, but the, now, the propitiation, the death, burial, and resurrection of our sins, he has no more place to accuse in heaven of us because we got an intercessor who ever lives to make intercession day and night around the throne of God. Amen? Let him come accuse, and that one's mine. That's mine. He's covered by the blood of the Lamb. He's forgiven. He's clean. And so the accuser loses his place. Jesus makes intercession. Satan no longer can accuse in heaven. And so now he goes after the earth. Right? But watch this. But woe to you, O earth and sea. For the devil has come down to you in great wrath. Because he knows that his time is short. No longer to accuse them in heaven, but we'll sure accuse them on this earth. Come on. We'll sure take the battle down to where they are. And the only Satan was delivered a death blow through the work of Jesus Christ, but he's injured and angry. How many know? How many ever seen an animal that gets injured? And now it's angry, and you go to try to mess with it. Man, I know Daniel, you told me about a, your dog a few weeks ago, and you came in and you had a when, when you get a when you get something that's injured and angry, that's kind of like the devil is after Calvary. He is injured and he is angry, and he knows his time is short, and he is absolutely coming down with full, uh, with full wrath and full fury against us in these last days because he knows that, that his time is very short. Now look at the first thing that it says about him, and I know this is a future event, understand that, but let's show you the grand cosmic battle, and I want you to understand what's happening now and what's happening, going to happen in the future. He stands now. He, he's been through this warfare. He, he is, he's been cast down, and now he, ha, he is in this future event in the end times, and look what it says. Look what the Bible says. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman 
that had given birth to the male child, but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. You remember that she may fly from the serpent. Not only is this going to happen in the future, but do you know this has already happened in the past? Do you know God delivered Israel in the wilderness on wings as eagles? He already said He did it once. He did. He said, I'm like delivering you like a, like a, like, like a mother hen and like wings as eagles. I'm t- I took you through the wilderness and delivered you. He's already done it. He's already on record, but He's going to do it again. Wings of a great eagle that she might fly from the serpent. That is the way God would rescue them into the wilderness. To the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half of time. So God's telling us right here, I'm not done with Israel. Just like I told you. Then look at what it says. The serpent poured out water like a river out of its mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to help the woman and the earth opened up its mouth, swallowed the river that the dragon had poured forth out of his mouth. Again, God is going to care for Israel in the future. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring and those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus Christ who stood at the sand of the sea. In other words, God cast him out through the work of Jesus Christ and he goes after Israel and he's going after the church. No, hear me. Why, why are you so flabbergasted that, that the world hates us? Why are you so flabbergasted that Satan hates us? Why are you so flabbergasted that we, have, we face hard situations and difficulties and, 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 and death and destruction and so many things? Because, because Satan is furious and he is not only going to make war with Israel, he is gone to make war with anybody who names the name of Jesus Christ, who keeps the commandments of God, who call on the name of the Lord. He's after us. And we're in a battle right now. We're in a battle. And he goes after the church. And listen how he goes after us. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns, which means power. Seven heads, which is evilness like nobody else in the business. And ten diadems, which means authority, on its horns and blasphemous names on its head. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like bears. And its mouth was like a lion's mouth. Now, if you read the book of Daniel, you would recognize a few of these images right here of kingdoms and powers that God said were going to rule the earth and did rule the earth back when. And now you're seeing them as though John sees them all compacted together into one terrible, ruthless kingdom in the end times. A piece of all these and just bringing them together in this powerful, powerful beast system, this government, this great kingdom impacted into one that, yes, is a future event that will be a government established to come after the people of God. But don't think that's not happening now all over the world. If I were to put you a voice of the martyrs picture up on the screen, I can show you that we're about one of the areas. If we were to light it up red all over the face of the earth where Christians already have a beast coming after them, a beast system coming after them, it's, it's more red. It's two-thirds of the earth right now are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. We're one of the small exceptions to the rule. But one day it's coming everywhere. It's coming all over the face of the earth and no one will be able to escape it and it will be out to come after the people of God amen and one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound but its mortal wound was healed and the whole earth marveled and followed after the beast it's going to be something phenomenal something incredible something that's going to cause everybody to say he is so powerful so powerful. There's no one like the beast. And they worshiped the dragon for he had given uh, his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is likened to the beast? Who can fight against him? I mean, the world is going to be blown away. And then look at verse 5. And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty, blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months or three and a half years. It opens its mouth in utter blasphemies against God. Blaspheming His name and His dwelling, that is. And those who dwell uh, in heaven. So God allows this battle. And, and, and there's this two-pronged approach that the enemy takes. It, it's 
says, and we uncover here. Number one, he's going to blaspheme God. And number two, he's going to make war on the saints. That's his approach. That's the end time battle. That's what we're seeing this government rise up. It hates God. It hates the people that are in heaven with God. And it hates you or whoever's left on this earth. It hates them to, if you serve God to know it. And we are seeing that, that, that even beginning to a little bit take place now. Because people are starting to hate the real genuine believers in God. And it's becoming obvious because the programs that you're watching on TV are sickening and they're blasphemous and they hate the God of heaven and they're becoming no longer even just hiding it. They're coming all out and saying it. And if you don't think it's affecting us, it is affecting us because I'm seeing now our kids and sons and daughters and other people turning from the God of heaven and just blaspheming the real God uh, of, of, uh, of the Bible. It's unbelievable the day we're living in. I, I, my mind... I can't even keep up with the speed at which things are beginning to take place. And, and just like God said it was, would be. And so it says in verse 7, And also it was allowed to make war on the saints. That's the second part I said. And to conquer them. Look at what God gives the power to, to, to do. Stop filtering through your selfish, self-love garbage that we filter everything through and read the Bible. Read the Bible. God, I don't understand it. I don't like it. But God allows some things that my flesh and myself does not like often. But I'm still going with Him because I trust Him. Amen? And listen to what He says. And all authority was given over every tribe, people, language, and nation. In other words, it's worldwide. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the Lamb's book of life was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken, that is Christian, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain here is the call for endurance of faith of the saints. He is saying you must endure even unto death if necessary. Saints, endure what's coming. Saints, know what's coming. But endure it. Endure it. Keep going. We, I'm calling for endurance of faith in the saints. So what he's saying is an event is, is coming that is so cosmic in nature that's going to cause Satan to go completely after the church. And listen to me. This is why church exists. This church. Please hear me. To prepare us for this. Now, I personally hope I'm right and I don't plan to be around for it. But there's a lot that can take place before we even get there. And tell that to my brothers and sisters in Syria and in Pakistan that listen online. Tell that to the brothers and sisters in China running for their life and dying tonight. Because, not because they're bad people, because they serve Jesus Christ. And that is increasing and increasing and increasing. And you say it can't come to America, and I say it absolutely can, and it will. Where's the good news? Where's the blessedness and the joyousness that you promised, Brad? It's coming. Hold on. But the gathering together of the saints is no game. And this is why they want you to quit church. Because I'm trying to prepare you for the days in which we're living while we want to tell people you can do church wherever you want to do it and you can stay home and you can do it on the internet. We need to be prepared for this. And it's not about coffee and it's not about donuts and it's not about... YMCA, those are all fun things. Do all those things. But I'm trying to prepare a group of people, a remnant, that are going to be able to make it all the way with me and stand at the throne of God waving palm branches victorious and saying, do you remember those days? They were rough, but we made it. We stood up to the beast. We stood up 
to the system that was trying to crush us. We stood up to those that were trying to... And so this is not a game. Singing songs is not a game. Preaching of the Word is not a game. Teaching of the Word is not a game. I know sometimes I make it too serious and there can be some fun and laughter. And look, I get it. But folks, what we are trying to do and the reason the local church exists is we are trying to prepare you for these things that are about to take place so that you can endure. And so John sees another beast rising. Revelation 13, 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb. It's trying to be a cheap duplicate of Jesus. And it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all authority over the first beast in the presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. In other words, this is a false prophet that we are going to learn about later whose mortal wound, uh, or then we see the beast whose mortal wound is healed. In other words, nothing can kill this, this beast at this point. But God's allowing, you know, or seemingly. And, and, and listen to verse 13. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. Just like kind of like Elijah and some of the prophets of old. It's doing it. it, it Moses, others. It's got, it's got tricks up its sleeve. And by the signs that, uh, that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived, and it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak, might cause those who uh, would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. So what is going on here? He is attacking the world or the Christians or the people of God, uh, Israel, the, the, the Jews and the people that are coming to know the Lord at this time. But I say he's working this same type of system because I'm going to prove it from the past. I know there's a future one that will encompass the whole world, but I'm going to show you where this same tactic is being used even on us now. So it's not like we just learn this for future. We can learn and know that this is helping us now. He's attacking through the kingdom, which he brought first. We saw this beast system rising, this political power rising, coming against the people of God. We saw this antichrist that we're going to see in the future that is going to come out of that and come against the people of God. But we saw that beast system that, that, that the ten kings are going to give power to him and he's going to rule and all that. We see all that coming out of the sea, out of the sea of the people and rising to prominence and power. But now we see him not only mixing this power politically, we see him mixing it with religion. And so he's going to mix this political and religious system that will have cause a group of people to give allegiance to the beast. Now let me show you how this is going to come about to kind of paint you a picture and show you how it did come about and how it could come about again. And then we know future, it really, really, really will come about in a way like we've never seen. However, in World War I, if you remember, there was a, a humiliating defeat to a nation called Germany. And Germany suffered very hard during that time. They, they went, uh, lost a lot economically. Really kind of reminds me a lot of what's going on in America and the decline and different things going on. And, and there was a guy that came out about that time, a young man. And here's what he began to do and decided to do. I can make Germany great again. I can, I, you follow me and I will cause us to turn this thing around. If you will just trust me. And this man, and you know his name, his name was Adolf Hitler. And he said, I'm going to bring Germany around again. I know you're humiliated. I know you're defeated. I know you young people have no hope and you don't see a way forward. But if you will trust me and follow me, I'm going to make everything good again. And we know that he did. He rose to power through, the, uh, uh, through government and religion. And in a minute, I'm going to show you where the church played a major role, more of a prominent role than you could ever imagine. It, it helping this man thrust into the power and tell everyone to give allegiance to the beast there that was coming up at that 
that time. And he said, I have a plan. And he said, he arose to absolute authority by the mid-30s. And they called him the Fuhrer, the, uh, the, uh, we know from history, which means the leader. And they raised their hand in a salute to this man, pledging absolute allegiance to them. And they began to wear a mark on their arms as they raised their salute up to him. A mark and bandanas and other things saying, I'm with him. I trust him. I worship him, basically. They begin to wear a mark. They begin to pledge their allegiance to this man. They begin to start to worship this leader who came to prominence and to power. And the way this man climbed to prominence and power was through the church. Because in 1933, Hitler came to a man named Mueller. And he was the pastor in the German National Church. And Hitler convinced Mueller that the state religion of Germany should be the Nazi religion. So Mueller agreed to do this this and he became head of the Nazi church and this is Mueller right here and that is Mueller giving the salute to the Fuhrer to say I the church of this time bows to you as well we don't just bow to Jesus Christ we bow to the Fuhrer if you don't think it can happen think again it can happen again but a group of about 3,000 pastors, a man by the name of Niemuller began to rise up and say, no way. The church of Jesus Christ doesn't salute to anyone else but Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ doesn't put a mark on them and pledge allegiance to anyone but the Lamb. And he stood up against the Fuhrer and he spent seven years in a concentration camp because of it. Another man by the name of Karl Barth about this time wrote the Barman Declaration which all these pastors signed and said, nope, we, we are telling you, Hitler, that we will not go along with you the church here will not do this he got kicked out of the country and was forbidden to ever come back and then one of the most famous that we all know about was a man by the name of Diedrich Bonhoeffer who had enough guts and enough courage to be one of the few pastors in this nation that rose up and by the way Neumuller uh, you might know him because he's the one that wrote that little thing when they came for the trade unionists I didn't go when they came for this one I didn't go when they came for that one I we, we didn't do anything and when they came for me, they didn't do anything either. But then Diedrich Bonhoeffer rises up and he stood against them and said, I won't go with Hitler. I won't go with this beast system. They can kill me. And they did just that. He died by execution. Saw this, he, he was hung uh, and, and, and was, uh, was killed uh, for the good news. And, and, and basically, it's the same thing that they're going to face in the future, but we're already facing it now. They've faced it in the past, and we'll face it again. If you stand up against these things, you're not going to regret it when Jesus comes. And I'm going to show you that in a few minutes, that if you stand against this beast system, if you stand against this antichrist system that's rising, if you stand against these things, you won't regret it. Bonhoeffer, I don't think now, regrets it around the throne of God. I don't think Betsy Ten Boom regrets it around the throne of God. I don't think Richard Wormbrand and Watchman Nee and all of these people who have stood down through the ages are ever, nor the Apostle Paul, nor the Apostle Peter, nor James and John and all the people who have given their life, not John, but all of those who gave their life as a sacrifice that stood up against the system. I don't think they're going to regret it when they're around the throne because let me tell you what these in the tribulation period are going to do and it shows us what all, I believe, saints are going to do around the throne who have all... We all, in a sense, have resisted evil. We all have fought uh, as the offspring of God against the offspring of Satan. And we all are resisting. And some have to resist to death. And some have to resist to persecution. But we're all resisting. And I believe we're going to stand around the throne one day. And we're going to say it was worth it. It was worth it. Amen? Amen. Yes. 
Look at what he says in verse 14. And then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood a lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their forehead. These people are resisting that beast system, that antichrist system. And I heard a voice from heaven like a roar of many waters, like the sound of a loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing with their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could sing the song except the 144,000 or the people of God who have been redeemed from the face of the earth. I mean, they stood against these things and they were attacked, but they're not regretting now standing before the throne when Jesus comes back. They're standing around the throne singing. They're singing with joy around the throne of God because God's plan is good and nobody is going to get away with anything. Nobody's going to get away with anything. Hitler's not going to get away with anything. The people that killed these folks are not going to get away with anything. The people who kill Christians in the future are not going to get away with anything. Amen? Amen. Look at verse 4. It is those who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. Uh, uh, it is those who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Not following Hitler's form of government. Not following the future Antichrist form of government. Not following, but following Jesus. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And their mouths, there is no lie was found. And they were blameless. Look at verse 6. And then I saw an angel flying directly overhead with the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth. I love God's mercy. You don't ever say God doesn't love. Here he is once again even saying, I've said to you preachers, I've said to you prophets, I've said to you all through the tribulation and all through this time, I've sent two witnesses. I've raised up people constantly to come and to preach the everlasting gospel to you. And now right before I pour out my wrath which you're going to see next week, which is um, oh man, the final wrath of God, the pure, pure full wrath of God that is unbelievably poured out the last wrath on the planet earth that he pours out at that time and he's going to pour it out and right before he does that he sends an angel flying through one more time preaching this everlasting gospel letting them hear again and hoping that they'll repent and turn the eternal gospel to proclaim to those that dwell on the earth to every nation and tribe and language and people and he said with a loud voice fear God give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the spring of water. But that's the problem. They don't want to submit to God's authority and just like in the garden, they want to be a God unto themselves and that's the problem with people today. Amen? Amen. They want to create a God that they can change and manipulate and control and not one that they have to come under His authority. Amen? And even here, with all these terrible things happening and God about to send the last plague of wrath on the earth, they still will not repent even in that hour. It's unbelievable and it's because they don't want God to have uh, reign over their life. Revelation 14.8 Another angel, a second followed the fall and fallen is Babylon the great. She made all the nations drink with the wine and the power of her sexual immorality. And we know Babylon, this world system, is full of just, just greed and perversion and sexual immorality and fornication and confusion and all kinds of things and made the merchants of the earth rich with it, has destroyed the prophets and the apostles and God's going to deal with it. In, in a few chapters we're going to see and in Revelation 14, 9, he said, and another angel, a third, followed them saying with a loud voice, he's kind of saying, this is what's coming when my wrath's poured out. Now, you're about to see this. If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on its forehead or its hand, he also will drink from the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and will be tormented with the fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment. Daniel preached about it last week. Not many dare to go there, but thank God he went there. And it goes up forever and forever. And they have no rest day and night. These Worshippers of the beast and its image, whoever receives the mark in its name. Nobody gets away with anything. And here's where we come down to the serious part of the sermon. If you don't know Jesus Christ today and you're playing games with Jesus Christ, that's your fate. You're not going to get away with anything. That's the, to all who don't bend their knee now, one day you will bend your knee 
Every knee will bend and every knee will bow in heaven and in earth. But if you bend now, you can bend to the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God. And you can one day enjoy the blessedness of God. And that's where I'm coming to. You can stand with these who sing and say it was worth resisting because you've redeemed us out of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And yes, maybe the beast system, maybe it killed some, but we're here. Maybe we were martyred, but we're alive forevermore with you. And you've redeemed us. And we stand with you forever singing this song, some of them, that nobody can sing but them. This new song, the song of Moses, we're all going to sing. The victorious song that he's redeemed us. The rider and the horse have been thrown into the sea, but our God has brought us through the battles and he's brought us through unto complete victory. But for those who don't bow their knee and they pledge their allegiance to this world system and to the beast and the false prophet, they will experience torment forever and ever and ever and ever, but blessed be those who resist. Because listen to what it says in closing, verse 13. And I heard a voice of heaven saying, write this, blessed are those who die, who, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, they may, what? The others have no rest the ones who take the mark, the one who d- d- decides. And let's say, look, if you, let's not talk about future mark, actual mark. Those, they took a mark right there with Hitler. They were taking a mark of allegiance. And folks, there are people, you're taking a mark of allegiance right now. God has his people marked and the devil has his offspring marked. If you don't know Jesus Christ right now, forget a future mark. You're already marked. He knows who are His and who are not His. And those who are not His will not have any rest in the future. But those who are His and resist all the way through the battle and endure till the end, it's going to be worth it because the Bible says, Blessed are we who die in the world, Lord, from now on. Whether that means like Catherine the other day when you close your eyes and you wake up in the presence of the Lord or whether one day I have to stand before a firing squad. Either way, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on because they rest. Because I'm going to hear my name called out. Brad Lindsay, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful. Enter into my rest. That's the joy I was speaking of that you find in this book. And here's what it says. For their deeds follow after them. That means what we do right now matters. I'm not talking about a salvation of works, but I'm not talking about a salvation that works. Did you hear me? Not a salvation of works, but a salvation that works. The evidence that we are saved is the fact that God's workmanship is in you. And He's creating good works in you, prepared before the foundation of the world. And, 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 and if you're a follower of Jesus, we will stand before the throne. And so He says, here is the call of endurance for the saints, those who keep the commandments of God. And then He said, then I looked and behold, a white cloud and seated on the cloud, one like the Son of Man with a golden crown on His head, a sharp sickle in His hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to Him that sat on the cloud, put your sickle in and reap for the hour to reap has come the harvest of the earth is fully ripe in other words gather all the Christians get all your own God uh, God's going to get his own and then another angel came out of the temple in heaven and he too had a sharp sickle and another angel came from the altar and the angel who has authority over the fire and he called with a loud voice to the one who has the sharp sickle put in the sickle gather the gra- uh, the clusters from the vine of the earth for the grapes are ready so the angel swung the sickle across the earth, gathered the grape harvest of the earth, threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God, and the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as the horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. It's serious to reject Jesus Christ. That's why Daniel stood here begging you last week. Because it's serious. It's serious for you to live for the the trinkets of this world. 
and reject Christ. It's serious for you to chase a career so much that it becomes your God and you reject Jesus Christ. It's serious for you to chase a 401k. It's serious for you to chase a young skirt, a young boy or a young girl, and they don't serve Jesus, but it's okay, I'll follow them anyway. When the Word of God forbids that, and it's going to lead you down a road where, like Solomon, where you may find yourself worshiping false gods, and you're away from God. It's serious, and it's serious to fall into the hands of an angry God. And that's what we're going to learn next week. Because you did not... Bow your knee now. But those, and this is the last scripture for real, those who resist and bend their knee to God will sing. Look at this verse. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, but also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. True followers of Jesus will sing this song one day and we will sing around the throne. A little boy asked his daddy after reading Diedrich Bonhoeffer biography, and I would suggest you start reading biographies of great saints who stood the test of time. And if you need to know some, I will let you know. And I may start putting them in the newsletter but, 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 uh, where we can, uh, you can know some good ones because you need, we need to be prepared. It builds your faith. But a, a father was reading this recently to his children, and they were sitting there having family devotion, and they read, and they got to the part where Diedrich Bonhoeffer decided that he was going to resist. You know, bow, renounce Christ, and we'll let you live. Uh, give your allegiance to the Hitler system, and we'll let you live. And he decided, nope, no thank you, I don't want your mark, I'll resist the beast system and I'm going to go with uh, Christ. And when he did, he died. And the young boy asked his father, who was a pastor, he said, if you ever have to walk that path, or, or no, he said, he said, Father, what would you have done if you were Bonhoeffer? And the dad said, I'd like to think, your dad's a super Christian, well, you know what I would do. But he said he sat there and thought for a few minutes, and here's what he came up to. And I want to leave you with this word of encouragement. He said, if ever we have to walk down that path, Jesus will be there with us. He was saying, Sonny, if we ever have to walk down the path of cancer, Jesus will be there with us. James, if we ever have to walk down the path of losing our spouse... Jesus will be there with us. If we ever have to walk down the paths of a a company selling out and losing a job, Daniel, Jesus will be there with us. And son, if we ever have to stand and ferocious lines are being let loose in a coliseum, Jesus will be there with us. As followers of Jesus Christ, I leave you today with saying, we cannot lose. We cannot lose. Hallelujah. Father... You are such a good, good God. And as, as followers of Jesus Christ, we can't lose. And thus your promise that everybody who reads this book is blessed. That's authentic joy. That's authentic joy. Lord, I could sit up here and tell you some fake kingdom now stuff like we preached in this nation for a long time, but it doesn't bring authentic joy because it's not true. Because the minute we start telling everybody on this earth they're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, the first time they find out we really have a battle that's going on and a true Satan, and we have an offspring that, is, that hates the woman and is after her, uh, hates, hates the woman that gave birth to the male child and is after his seed, then, then it becomes quite confusing with them when the cancer re- report comes or when the death blow comes they get really really confused and they begin to lose their faith in God but God we have a God that has told us exactly the plan of God from since the beginning and he has walked us all the way through it how God you were going to have Israel and that through their rejection God it was going to be brought to the Gentiles and then how at the end God the Gentiles were going to begin to wane and when all the number of Gentiles would come in you're going to take it back to the the Jewish people and their eyes were going to be open and salvation is going to come 
from to the entire world. And God, when the evil, the, when, the, when the final time gets there, that God, you've got a plan to take care of this, where this battle is going to finally culminate in the valley of decision and in the valley of Jezreel, in the valley of Armageddon, where God, there, that you're going to finally put an end to all of this, God. And, and Lord, finally, we look beyond that and we see a new heaven and a new earth where the righteous dwell. We see a new heaven and a new earth where God, where we don't have battles anymore. We see a new heaven and a new earth where you wipe every tear away from our eyes, God. I'm not trying to find that here because I know that's not here, God. That's to come. And so I fix my eyes on you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And Lord, you will give me endurance until I get to there. And so I'm grateful for that. Just as you carried a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, just as you carried a Niemöller, just as you carried, God, all these Carl Bo- uh, th- these people, God, through. Corey Tim Booms, God, Richard Wormbrands, God, the apostles, the prophets, others. God, you will carry me through and my faith through. And you'll carry the people in this room, our faith through, God. And our faith will end in sight. And one day we'll stand around the throne and say, grace, grace. Grace got us here. And Lord, it's amazing. It's worth it, God. I, I consider the present sufferings of this earth, they're not compared to the glory that's coming. It's not to be compared. Do I, do I like preaching things like that? Do I like thinking about a, a system rising? No, but I see it happening all around the world right now, whether I like it or not. I see tyranny within our own government that I don't like, and overreach, and and things happening that are quite frightening. And I don't want to be in that world. But God, I see a day where the the entire world is going to be uh, engulfed in this type of behavior. And Lord, they're going to be coming after your people. And so God, give us the grace to stand. Give us the courage to stand. And prepare our hearts now as we come to church and are allowed to come to church for however much longer we're allowed to meet publicly and openly and to preach on the internet. We know those days are short. They're shortly God. So, so, so one day jail will come for these top messages. One day we'll be told to shut up. One day we'll be forced underground. But God, until then, we're going to preach loudly. And when that happens, we're going to preach loudly as well. And God, we refuse. We refuse. We refuse, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we refuse to bend or bow our knee to this world. We refuse to bow our knee we, we, we refuse to raise our hand in a salute to defer. We, 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 we raise our allegiance to the Lamb of glory, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah.